Welcome to the DFD, a podcast dedicated to all things dairy farming. Each episode, we chat with industry leaders who share insights and their experiences into the dairy business. I'm your host, Keith Schweitzer, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the DFD, the Dairy Farming Discussions podcast. I'm your host, Keith Schweitzer. I'm super excited today. I'm uh, actually dabbling into a topic that... I know I've been very uncomfortable in talking about, but I think it's really important, you know, with harvest and everything else going on in the in the world right now with uh, COVID and that um, mental health. So I have my guest Kristen Kelderman today. She's a grad of the University of Guelph and is currently doing her master's at King College, uh, sorry King's College in London, England, in the UK. So why don't you say hi, Kristen? Good morning, Keith. Hello, everyone. <laughs> So this is a topic that, you know, I, when I was talking to you about setting it up the podcast that I said, I was uh, kind of procrastinating on and, and it made me a bit uncomfortable. I can kind of feel the, the energy right now because <laughs> I'm just not that great at talking about my feelings, but, uh, and, but I think it's important to talk about, you know, harvest is really busy. It can be taxing physically and mentally on producers. Um, I think we're pretty fortunate right now that, you know, crop prices are pretty good. The weather's been amazing. So I think there's some of those stresses there that, uh, you know, farmers can't control that uh, we're, you know, taking off the table for harvest. But maybe, Kristen, can you just talk about some of the things that you see um with producers this time of year. For sure, for sure. I would say I'm going to start Keith and say you're not alone in, you know, feeling awkward or vulnerable about talking about your feelings. It's kind of interesting that it that like that's our default. Um but so much of our life is, you know, focused around emotions and feelings and, you know, this kind of out there thing that we kind of don't like to talk about. Um, but we experience them every day. Um, and I just want to say it's normal. It's normal to have feelings. It's normal to feel feelings about mental health and about all parts of life. Um, and that the more that we talk about it too, I think the more we normalize it. So something that's become really apparent to me, um, about, you know, kind of mental health and maybe around the stigma of it is we do associate it a lot with sort of these feelings, emotions, like self-care, a lot of these kind of like soft, you know, touchy-feely sort of things. But really mental health is about our brain. Um, It's about how our brain interacts with our body and how we interact with the world. Um, So just kind of, you know, putting that out there to sort of level the playing field that we're not talking about these, ooh, emotions. Um, But yeah, talking specifically about farming and farmers, I think uh, we live in a very cyclical industry of seasonality where certain things have to happen at certain times for you know kind of that bigger picture and along with that comes a lot of stress and you know there are stresses like you said commodity prices the weather mother nature you're dealing with livestock you're dealing with people other people and you're managing these farms Um, a lot of that stress can become really heavy and we like to say in agriculture, you know, we're really quite res- resilient and we have a lot of, you know, kind of tough skin and we're macho and we're, you know, um, all of these sort of antiquated um, 
very um, kind of armor almost that we, we build up around mm-hmm. ourselves. But sometimes, you know, that stress, it can be stress on, po- on top of stress on top of stress. And it can come from specifically farming or just other life stuff too. Um, you know, farmers aren't just farmers. Um, they're people in their community. They're, um, they're in their families, their spouses, their brothers, sisters, parents, and all of those things come together into one person. Um, and to manage that on yourself, that can be a lot. So I would say, you know, overall stress definitely is something from a mental health perspective that affects everyone. Um, and then, you know, we can get into more mental illness related things too. Um, so when that stress kind of becomes too much, um, and we do start to notice what I would call more long-term and diagnosable, um, type, uh, type illnesses, like legitimate illnesses. This isn't just, you know, self-diagnosis. Um, there is, you know, real truth to a lot of these just the same as you would have you know heart disease you can have depression um it's a diagnosed illness and well you might not see it or you might not you know if you break your arm you break your arm and you wear a cast but if you're Mm -hmm. suffering from something like anxiety or depression there's not really like a physical thing that you can see there but it's something that you personally feel a lot um and those can be you know hard to talk about and hard to discuss in you know with people you know and also you know within yourself too well i think that goes back to stress and there's a lot of things that we can't control as producers and there's certain things we can but you know we try to micromanage the things that we can and try to manage the things that we can't and i think that uh you know, just going through it, like knowing some of my friends and things like that, that are working off jobs, they're carrying a lot of debt. They've got young families, they've got all these different things coming in different ways. And I think just at certain times, it just gets to be too much. It's like, you're trying to bench press 400 pounds. And, you know, you've never done it before in your life, but you're still trying to give it a go. And it's just not a, it's just not possible. You know, and I think, and I think producers have to um, really compartmentalize that. And, and I know growing up, you know, boys are taught to be tough and, and things like that and to be resilient. And it's hard to, it's hard to change that behavior and, you know, ask for the help, you know, but it just makes me so sad to see what's happening in the countryside. Now, you know, you're hearing about suicides, you're hearing about depression and alcoholism and drug abuse and things like that. And it's like, I don't know if we just know more about it now, just because of, um, the way that we're connected to other people, you know, whether it be through social media or text messaging or, or whatever, uh, compared to what it was, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, I think maybe these things did still happen. They were just, uh, if it wasn't reported in the local newspaper, then people just didn't know about it. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah, it kind of flew under the radar. Right. And it wasn't something, I think it was probably even more stigmatized back then that, you know, either mm-hmm. you or your family member, you know, had um you know schizophrenia or you were um you were you know just feeling blue or whatever we didn't really have a lot of language to talk about it back then um either and if you did you just kind of learned it from your doctor but you didn't really want to you know go to the talk coffee shop and you know strike up a conversation about hey guys i'm feeling really depressed like that just wasn't something that 
people did. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of history there in terms of, you know, what we, you know, nowadays, what we read online, but what's portrayed in the media and like, you know, TV and movies about mental health, you know, you see some of these, these depictions of like, oh, the, the town crazy person, you know, they get locked up in an asylum. And it was kind of, it was kind of this, whole idea that like oh we don't really know why these people act the way that they do so we're just gonna put them in a corner over there and <laughs> ignore them almost right like that's essentially like, like asylums and sort of that whole you know through the 20s all the way to like the 90s um that was how mental health was dealt with on a global level um was you know lock the people away and let the you know the psychiatrist deal with it the shrinks will will figure it out and so we never really had that experience to have people you know like that in our communities um so it was highly stigmatized and it just it really created this whole culture around mental health and you know from there we've had to really gain a lot of trust in talking about, you know, it's not just, um, we're, we're learning more now too, I think is from a science perspective and the science side of it is that we know now, we know more about the human brain now than we ever have and we'll continue mm -hmm. to learn more. And that's really kind of a cool thing. And it also helps to, to normalize that a little bit too, right? Like you take the shame out of it when you're like, oh, well actually depression is has you know it has many different facets but it's not it's not your fault there's not that shame being put on the person it's environmental it's genetics it's hormonal it's you know all of these things put together yep. so now that we understand it a little bit more that's kind of helping to change the conversation a little bit i would say well and i think like what you mentioned there too is it was taboo it was just yeah. it wasn't talked about and yeah. you know i think it's it's being thrown a lot more into the forefront now and, and less taboo, especially with, um, I guess millennials, I guess are people that are, you know, in their twenties and thirties now that are, are dealing with it. And, and, and I don't think it's got the same stigmatism, uh, that it had with our parents or grandparents, you know, which is, which is a really good thing. And like you said, we're learning way more about it. It's just like everything else, you know, we do it with dairy nutrition. We do it with, farming practices like there's there's very smart people working on this research that um are doing a lot of really good work to to try and uncover some of these things so for sure uh, like science is great science is awesome <laughs> yeah so like one of the questions i got asked is how can say a dairy producer get help when they can't take a day off yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's a challenge right yeah like that that's something, you know, I think it maybe it starts with a little bit of self-reflection, I would say. Um, mental health, you know, sounds a little bit weird, but you kind of got to get to know yourself first um, to really know what's your baseline, right? Like when, when is your stress too much that you can't handle it, that you need to seek help? And what can you do before you need to seek help to manage it on your own? Because I think that's kind of like, you know, we kind of have mental health as the umbrella and then we have professional help over here and then we have sort of um self-care i'm going to call it which some people don't like that term but um you know doing things for yourself um mm -hmm. and uh that there's a ton of stuff there that i think 
are very simple and often just kind of glossed over in terms of, you know, what, how much they can affect you and how much good they can do. So I would say, you know, start first of all, by getting to know yourself, getting to know what your stress levels are, getting to know your emotions too, right? Like there's that Mm -hmm. word again that we don't like. Um, But, you know, you can, if you, if you notice, you know, a lot of times emotions come with um, physiological features. So like physical things that happen in our bodies. So you might notice your heart starting to race if you're feeling really anxious, or you might start to get like tension headaches, or just kind of like a really tight tenseness in your whole body or your stomach or, you know, for everybody, it's a little bit different. But recognizing some of those physical signs to say like, hey, this isn't this has been going on for a couple days. Normally, under normal circumstances, I would start to, you know, feel fine or bounce back or whatever. But if that feeling starts to persist, then a little, you know, a little uh, light goes off in your head to say, hey, maybe something's not right here. And it takes work and time to get to that point. I'm not going to say that it's easy. Um, but that I would say, mental health, you know, we can, we can always check in on each other and whatnot, but it really comes down to the individual. And so starting with yourself and sort of that as your base point, and then figuring out some of those self-care practices to say, okay, I'm feeling really anxious. Let's say like my heart is racing. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, it's planting season or it's harvest season. I'm really not sure how this is going to go or the weather is changing or something like that. Whatever is kind of influencing that anxiety. Recognizing, I think, first of all, that we can't control everything (laughs) as much as we try and we like to. Um, Recognizing that is, well, you know, kind of takes a bit of the pressure off and then saying, okay, what, what, focusing on what can we do? Like, what can I do for myself? I can't control mother nature, what she's doing, but right now in this moment, what can I control and implementing some of those self-care practices? So I think a lot of times it's the simple things like getting enough sleep, eating relatively healthy, like eating whole foods, um, going and having, you know, having that support system, your friends and your family who you, who you can talk to about things like having them around you, you know, it might not be about talking about your emotions, but saying like, okay, you know, recognizing I've got a lot on my plate, I'm not going to be able to get around to, you know, feeding the heifers today, can somebody help me do that? Um, And asking for those little things from your support system, Um, figuring out things that, when you could take, you know, you don't have to take a whole afternoon or a day away from the farm, but, you know, can you carve out 15 minutes for yourself? And, you know, just Mm -hmm. in that time, do something that makes you happy, right? Whether that would be reading a book or listening to music or going for a walk by yourself, whatever that could be, just give yourself some headspace. um, And, let yourself enjoy that time too, right? Like, don't be like, okay, I'm going to take a walk, but on my walk, I'm going to think about, you know, 150 things that I have to do later on, right? Leave your um, phone at home. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Or sometimes, you know, limiting something like social media too. I know yeah. that can be a big trigger for a lot of people um, to, uh, 
you know, start to feel that anxiety or like, oh, the guy down the, the road, oh, he's chopping his corn or oh, he's got the combine out. Oh, oh, you know, we all know those conversations yeah. that happen in agriculture. And it's hard to not let that affect you. But I think the importance is knowing when it is affecting you and then what you can do. How, like, how can you teach yourself to not worry about the things that you can't control? Because I know I struggle with that one a lot. Like that's, it's taken me a long time to get to the point that I am because I'd get so fired up or frustrated with things that I just can't control. But like, how do you, how do you get around that? <laughs> I think I would be a much richer person if I knew <laughs> the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's so important, right? Like, I, I think that is you touch on something that's so important and something we all kind of struggle with at different levels is control. Because, you know, as farmers, as business people, as, you know, as industry people, you know, we want to, we have objectives that we set out to do every single day. And, you know, you, you want to do a good job, you want to support your family and make money and, you know, all of those parts of your life. So it's hard to not fall into that, that control trap, I'm going to say. And it's, I think part of it is recognizing that we kind of, we kind of live in a bit of a paradox, right? Where we always think like, you know, two things, two opposite things can exist at the same time. Um, and if I think about the pandemic, for instance, um, you know, we were all in this, you know, thrown into this uncontrollable situation where we didn't know what was happening and there was a lot of uncertainty and you could kind of see how this sort of snowball was starting to go. And there were a lot of people that were really struggling, not only with just like the uncertainty of not knowing, but that, hey, everyday life is still going on. And there were things through the pandemic, you know, there were some really great things that happened in people's lives, right? People got married, they started new jobs, they had kids, like, you know, all of these in, like milestones that we normally celebrate and we normally, you know, put up, brings us lots of joy. But it almost felt like, oh, well, we've got all this uncertainty and this heaviness with the pandemic. And now I've got this thing that I'm kind of happy about, but how can I be happy when I've got you know, all of this negativity. So it was kind of this bit of a teeter-totter of people struggling with their mental health in these instances. And, you know, I think recognizing that those two things can coexist at the same time, right? Like you can, mm -hmm. you can be in a, a situation where you don't have a lot of control and there's a lot of uncertainty, but you can also recognize when those, th when those good things do happen, it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, lean into that a little bit more. And, you know, we have this like very paradoxical thinking that we can't, but we really can. And, you know, maybe in, in talking about control and what we, what we can and can't control, kind of trying to find that balance of that teeter-totter of, you know what, I can't control all of these, you know, 18 things over here, but here are three things that I can. And mm -hmm. I'm going to focus on them because that's going to get me further ahead and then reevaluate. Okay. Now that I'm at this point, I've, I've completed these three, these three things, or I'm at a better position. Okay. Now I look at all of this. Now it doesn't seem so like it's so heavy or it's so much. So maybe that's a different way to look at control. I don't know if that kind of helps, but um, kind of frames it a little bit differently. Yeah. And I, 
with agriculture, it's so difficult because 99, maybe not 99, but 95% of the things you can't control their weather, it's supply chain, it's physiological things from animals. It's like, there's just so many things like it's amazing how many times you listen to farmers and their daily job is just to try and keep their cows alive because they look for spots to try and kill themselves type of thing right like <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. like if i had a nickel for every time i heard of, of uh, some animal doing something stupid on a farm and getting herself hurt <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are the things yeah. that like it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to deal with that because it's such a thing it's it's a livelihood it's a it's their way of, it's their way of life it's their business it's everything like farmers are such independent thinkers and, and entrepreneurial that they're so vested in invested in the, uh, in the day-to-day things. It's just hard to, it's hard to, to let go of those things that you can't control, you know, can't plant corn today. Ground's too wet, you know, can't cut, Hey, going to rain tomorrow. So, you know, just, yeah. 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 And I think too, Keith, like maybe just to kind of tag on to that too, is this idea that, um, you know, when you are feeling some of those uncontrollable things, like I can't do this and I can't do that, you know, talking to another farmer, sometimes yeah. just talking about it, just getting it off your chest, you know, even though it doesn't actually change anything, it may make you feel differently. And, you know, I think this is where some of those really important conversations just about normalizing things about oh man the weather's really shitty like um Mm -hmm. you know things aren't going good or whatever like it's okay i think to have those conversations and to normalize it it doesn't make us weak or less than or anything like if anything it takes a lot of courage to acknowledge that and to say it to another person um and to to just kind of have that that weight lifted off your shoulders sometimes um that helps with that whole looming control issue too Mm -hmm. how would like how would somebody let's say in support of say their significant other business partner that like how do you approach that like how do you recognize some of the signs that they maybe are struggling or are going through something that they're maybe not talking about yeah it's I think it's something we put a lot of um, thought into and it's, um, it's, you know, we want to look out for our people, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we care about them, whether they're our customers, our family, our friends, our neighbors, um, you know, agriculture is such a community oriented industry and that's what makes it absolutely amazing. Um, so having, having some of those tools is really important. Um, I would say there are some signs that we can look out for. So around mental health, you know, if you're noticing someone, you know, just first of all, like their general attitude, you know, has their attitude changed? Is it been persistent? Like, has it been that way for, you know, not just a couple days or the last time you talked to them, but has it been over, you know, a month or so? Um, Recognizing people's physical um, appearance too. So if, you know, somebody walks into the feed store and normally, you know, they are cleaned up, they changed out of their barn boots and they put on a a clean shirt. You know, normally that's how they show up. And now they start showing up, you know, looking a little bit disheveled or they've got, you know, their barn boots still on and they're just kind of feeling 
like low mood or low energy and they're normally a chatty person just kind of recognizing some of those signs too because that comes through with our mental health we're not able to kind of be that same individual that we are um other things you know can be not coming out to social events not that we have been able to have any yeah. recently um but when we are you know if if someone's typically a very social person and they're starting to you know not show up or just kind of you know flake off a lot or be like oh no I'm too busy I'm too busy making excuses that kind of thing um there are some of those signs that we can kind of keep an eye out for and to you know I I don't want to say we should be jumping at every like oh that like you showed up with you know dirty work clothes on today oh my god like you must be having an issue (laughs) I think there is like there's a baseline there that we need to be conscientious of. And then also how we approach those conversations is really important because you don't want to come in, you know, hard and fast on someone who really doesn't want to talk about their feelings and emotions. That's not probably going to be well received. Um, But a lot of times too, I think there's a lot of hidden signs that we can't see, um, especially when mental health kind of, goes into that mental illness realm because people are you know if you're you're you know come from a very um conservative background where you don't talk about your feelings and you don't talk about mental health and you know you're not gonna you're gonna try and hide it essentially Mm -hmm. right so sometimes it's about more of the subtleties that happen within those those awareness signs um and appro- I think the approach as well is very important in how you handle those conversations with someone. If you do start to kind of be like, hey, I'm feeling, you know, sort of your spidey senses or you just kind of have that, that gut feeling that, oh, uh, you know, so-and-so hasn't been returning my texts, you know, as much as they have or they haven't been wanting to hang out or they just haven't been as, as you know, cheery as they normally are and just not their normal self. Some of those signs some of those things can kind of lead into more of those conversations yeah and i know you just don't know what happened five minutes before either right so i think it's one of those delicate things that you don't want to ostracize anybody either right like if they are kind of giving those little subtleties that they that they do need help and you just don't want to i don't know i don't want to push harder than i need to i'd rather let them come that way but i think there's got to be a delicate balance between the two so absolutely absolutely for sure and maybe you know if you recognize those signs maybe you might not be the right person to bring it up with them um so you try and find you know other ways or other mechanisms um or other people to help kind of support that person in that time um and some people just don't want help sometimes they need to figure out their own mental health journey on their own um and and you can i think mental health it does come down to the individual um in a lot of cases and it kind of empowering them i'm gonna say you know we want to empower people to help themselves would be how i kind of look at it well i like i even know in myself that and it took me a long time to get to that point but like hockey season starting again, which is good because I've I've been finding that I've been a little frustrated lately. <laughs> so you know, taking the dog for a walk hasn't been good yeah. enough uh, good enough exercise to kind of to change my mind. But I find that um, that I need things that you know help shut my brain down, and maybe that's 
maybe that's you know you call your buddy and say hey let's let's go golfing or let's go fishing or let's let's get away from let's get away from the farm and and do something fun for an afternoon and kind of take our minds off of it and you know i think those things can really help when you don't have to say you know are you okay yeah and you could just say hey let's go do something fun and you know so absolutely for sure and it's it's yeah those those kind of things can really make a huge impact and you don't have to approach it from that sort of you know ooh, like are you, you mm-hmm. kind of touchy feely kind of um yeah absolutely i think that's a great example and and there's tons of things you know if you can get off the farm um that's even better um to be able to to have a day with your family or go on vacation like i know notoriously my parents growing up on on our farm like they they always uh, for the longest as long as I can remember they always went away on a vacation just the two of them because they had five kids and they needed to get away from from (laughs) us and the farm um but you know if that's something it doesn't have to be you know as huge as a vacation but a day or an afternoon whether you want to be around other people or you need just time for yourself too. Like some people want, want that quiet, want that, that solitude. Um, and, and that works too, right? Like knowing, coming back to knowing what you need um, and what works for your personality and, and in your mental health journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the hardest part is to realize, to figure yourself out, to find out what you need, um, I think some other people can really figure that out quick for you, but I think you just get too close <laughs> to the problem. You yep. get too close to the to what's really at issue, and it just takes. Uh, I know my my stubborn old self. I know my wife can tell me one thing, but until I realize it myself, <laughs> I don't think you're alone. Yeah. I don't no. think you're alone. <laughs> I think that's yeah. I think that's pretty uh, pretty standard yeah. out there. But uh, absolutely. Um, sure. Outside of Outside of the things we can control, I think one of the next biggest stressors on farm uh, comes to dealing with family and, and even succession too, I think, is probably one of the hardest things I see on on farm failures just from a helicopter view. Um, is there anything that they can, that producers can do to kind of mitigate some of that? Or is that just a, you got to live through it and you got to and try and deal with family and money and things like that, because I've seen some stuff and it gets nasty and I've seen other stuff that just seamlessly moves through. So is there any one thing that you could think of that might be, uh, might be helpful? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of one of those, um, tipping points in our industry is this whole, Mm -hmm. you know, working with your family and succession planning. It's so difficult. Like you said, there's both ends of the spectrum. Um, To me, I think it comes down to communication, um, just from what I've seen personally. Um, I know there's lots of succession planners out there, you know, professionals that can talk a lot more elaborately about this to me than I can. Um, But like that whole communication piece and like knowing knowing your communication style and again I think this comes back to knowing yourself and and really kind of you know getting really close to what your personality is and how you like to communicate and and doing some of those very you know simple basic um, behavioral personality tests right like Mm -hmm. if you're one personality and your dad's different and you're trying to approach a problem 
you know, in a way that you would want to, but he's not seeing it, you know, that's where I think we get a lot of that friction um, a lot of times and just not being able to see someone else's perspective. Um, a lot of times, you know, you want the same thing, right? Like you want the, in succession, you want the farm to go to the next generation and you want it to be prosperous and you want to, you know, have a life and you want your parents to retire. Like, most of the time, I would assume people don't want the worst for their family. Um, so figuring out an effective way to get there um, and knowing, you know, some of those little details along the way, like your, commu your communication piece, um, planning to like having those, those scheduled planning sessions to talk about it because a lot of times we assume things or, you know, something gets said in passing and, you know, it just sort of gets you know it's it's not yeah. solidified right it's like oh well you kind of assume that you're going to take over the yeah. farm but hey what if your brother or sister comes back into the picture what happens then like you know if there's so many different avenues that that can go but really just coming down to the people part of it and you know if you do need to have a professional helping you um i think that's really key because those are very big decisions and obviously like long-term and affect a lot of pieces, but communicate, communicating, I think is, you know, it's something we do every day, but a lot of us stuck at it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's, um, it's really with family. I, I can speak from experience, like just, you know, sit, being willing to say the thing that everybody's thinking, but no one's saying sometimes that's just like, gets things going um at times but sometimes that also makes you the black sheep <laughs> so yeah. it can be hard yeah i know and that's when you get dealing with something that is so emotionally driven it gets very very difficult mm -hmm. or it can be very very easy if everybody's on the same page but that doesn't always happen so no no it's uh it's very and it happens every day all the time right we're seeing farms turn over or sell out and these these conversations are are either happening or not happening at different levels and it's the future yeah. of our industry too right so mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and what about like i know this is something that i think a lot of people think about but don't necessarily talk about is regret like how does somebody, you know, oh, I regret buying the, not buying that farm or not doing this or not doing that or I should have done this. Like how how do you compartmentalize? Because I think even like going back to succession, there's a lot of sometimes when the, when it doesn't go well, there's a lot of regret after. And, and like how do people kind of deal with that? Thinking about regret, you know, I I see, you know, we're thinking about the past, like stuff that's happened in the past. Um, and... I know, I know it's something that affects a lot of people, um, but I would say it's all well and good to recognize it, but to stew on it, that's where we get into some issues, I would say, from a mental health perspective, because um, if you're going to hold a grudge and, you know, be regretful about something that, you know, oh, well, it should have happened this way, or I should have been able to do this, or whatever the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes we have a hard time letting go of some of those things and 
time and time again, it just kind of, you know, it kind of keeps coming back up. It's sort of that thing that sort of gets regurgitated over and yeah. over again. It's like, oh, they're going to, you know, if, especially dealing with family, if you're working on a succession and you're like, oh, well, the last time we tried to do something, dad, dad got really mad and like threw it in our face that we didn't do X, Y, Z or whatever that is. So then when you try to approach a, a conversation again, you're like, oh, you're already anticipating to be like, oh, he's just going to bring this thing up again because, you know, he's stuck on this one regret from the past. And yeah. So what we what we call that in psychology is rumination, which is very fitting for agriculture. Um, and for a no pun intended. But exactly, I did not make this up. I can promise you. Look it up on the internet. They probably stole that one from the cows. So they did. Yeah, they learned from us, right? Um, but yeah, so we 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 ruminate on these negative things right we we have kind of this like loop in our brain that just kind of always when we're triggered we always come back to it and we're like oh man like i can't believe like this happened and it's like well geez like that happened 20 years ago and if you're dealing with you know a succession between um parents and children you know you might have not as a child you may not have ever been involved in that future regret so but it's getting brought back up in your you know it could be something from grandparents or great-grandparents that happen um so it just you know it's human nature like we do kind of dwell on those type of things um but from a, a mental health perspective it's been proven that kind of that that negative rumination that negative thinking those patterns can be really detrimental to our mental health um mm -hmm. and that's where we see things come up like um depression and um some kind of mood disorders and anxiety because we're worried about like oh if you're if you're trying to plan for your future of your farm but you're so stuck in the past you kind of then you get that that kind of anxious feeling about like oh i can't move forward because i'm too busy worrying about the past and we kind of we spend a lot of time in sort of this past and this future in our brains and we don't spend a lot of time in the present moment which kind of seems a little funny when you think about it because yeah. we're right here we're right now we're on this podcast but i'm already thinking about oh what's the next thing i've got to do and what am i doing later on this week and you know oh crap i forgot to do this thing or oh i had a really you know difficult conversation with um a family member over thanksgiving and you know after an argument you're thinking about the 20 things you should have said during the argument yeah. but now you're just kind of having those go through your brain so a lot of time we're pulled between these two time periods but we don't practice any sort of presence and groundedness in the moment and that's where i think things like meditation um, or practicing like breathing exercises can be really helpful to ground us and to be like and and to kind of go back to a bit of like the control issue too when you feel yourself being pulled it's like okay coming like grounding yourself in the moment and being like okay you know, if you do a five or 10 minute meditation, I've recently taken up meditation. I always sort of thought it was a little bit frou-frou and hippie and wasn't really sure about it. Um, but I, uh, I've started doing a guided meditation on my smartphone every day. And I like, I am amazed at how, you know, just, it makes me a little bit more aware, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, and that sort of goes back to, 
our our thoughts about you know getting to know yourself and to being aware of your feelings and your emotions and so being able to pull ourselves into the present moment and be like okay what what can I focus on that I can do right now um and that sort of kind of helps take us out of those those negative regrets and bring us here and be like okay recognize that's in the past yes it happened but what what value does that provide right now and what value does that provide in the future and if you you know realize and recognize that it's not good to keep going on that way then you can change your your perspective you can change your outlook and move forward and move beyond that um sometimes i'm going to say too when we can't move when we can't when we don't have the capacity to to make that change on our own that's when something like going to see a therapist or a professional can really help because they're trained in those tactics, tactics and, um, and tools to help you, you know, guide you along that path yourself. And so that's where some of those resources can really come value, become valuable um, for an individual or for a family too. Those are some really amazing points. And I really want to build on something that you're talking about. Like we've talked a lot about, you know, recognizing it, but what can we do to kind of prevent it and help us through it? Like, I know we've talked about exercise and eating right and things like maybe can you build on some of those things as why, why that's important? Sure. Yeah, definitely. So um, if we think about um, stress as an example, if I'm going to talk about, something on your farm that stresses you out um that that prolonged stress so not just you know a stressful day or a stressful conversation but that prolonged stress what that stress actually does to our it has a it has a physical effect on our bodies and stress has been proven um to influence what's called the hpa axis so the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis and that is a connection in our bodies between our brain um, and the rest of our body that basically sends a whole bunch of different hormones around um, and when we feel stress that that hpa access is activated and what it does is it produces cortisol. So cortisol is the stress hormone. A lot of people would yep. know, or it's commonly referred to as a stress hormone. And so cortisol is released through this process and cortisol basically operates in a negative feedback loop to then like lower um, sort of that stress and to help us get through that. So from a biological standpoint, we have stress that's happening in our life and our body recognizes that and says, okay, I'm gonna do this this uh, mechanism that I know will uh, regulate it. But with, we have a lot of stress and a lot of chronic stress, what happens is the cortisol almost goes into overdrive. And when that goes into overdrive, our HPA access is not able to regulate our internal system anymore. And so then we get a whole bunch of negative um, things happening in our bodies that influence that and a lot of those things influence our mental health so for instance when our mental health and physical health and so that's kind of why physical health is so important to mental health mm -hmm. and how they're kind of tied together um so for instance when 
there is an abundance of cortisol going through and our body's not able to regulate it, a lot of times we see issues with inflammation. So um, if you have issues with heart disease or um, some of those inflammatory responses in our bodies, that has been linked back to our stress response, which a lot of people wouldn't be like, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, cardiac disease, um, you know, eating, smoking, drinking, like those kind of factors. But stress plays such a huge role there. Um, and so that's kind of why I think we, we need to prioritize our physical health and eating right and sleeping um, to, to help regulate that physiological part of our bodies. Um, outside of biology, we can do a lot of things um, like for for our mental health, um, like uh, um, like seeing a therapist. Um, that's uh, something that if that's something that rec um, that you think would be helpful for you, that's um, a tool or a resource for yourself. Um, other things that you can do are keeping a journal or practicing gratitude. Um, that's been something that research has proven um, is really good for our own personal mental health um, and can kind of help focus us on what's happening in the present moment and the present day. Um, I mentioned meditation that, you know, it doesn't have to be something um, long and arduous. You can do a five or 10 minute meditation. Um, and that, uh, that really can do a lot of benefit for, for yourself. Those would be, I think, kind of the, the, the main ones. I don't know. Do you, do you have any, any ones that you would add, Keith? I find it very hard for myself to find things that take me out of my headspace. And I, I think that's important for my mental health that my brain is like a, like a hamster on a wheel. It's always, it's always going. I'm always thinking about something, the next move, you know, we're dealing with so many different producers and we've got things coming at us from different directions, from producers, from our family obligations, from our, com like our, our job obligations and things like that. So I find it very difficult to kind of shut that off, which actually, it really affects me. The biggest thing is trying to get to sleep at night and like shut, shut my head down. So what I've started doing is especially like I find Sunday nights are the worst because I'm thinking about next week. So then yeah. I start my to-do list the night before just to kind of help me shut down. And then I use an app to of sleep stories just to, you know, take my mind off, off of just something to listen to rather than, you know, background noise rather than try and, uh, and shut my brain down mm -hmm. and, yeah. and just, uh, you know, things like, I play play hockey a couple times a week, which helps me, you know, physically um, do something. But it also mentally it helps me by just because I shut my brain down and I don't think about anything else when I'm on the ice. Like I don't think about you know any of my other obligations. So those are things that I've found over the past. Um, I'm trying to figure something else out, you know, for not hockey season. Like I do like going fishing and things like that. So that helps, but that's not always. Uh, that's not always a priority. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and I think yeah. that that's a really good point is just to find like some of those routine things, I think that you can yeah. easily build in, right? Like they don't have to be like, Oh, I got to take a vacation because you can't take a vacation all no. the time. No. Um, and those, uh, those little things like, you know, emptying of your brain or just 
you know, being out outdoors. I know a lot of people have, you know, just yeah, farmers are obviously outside a lot, but when you're, you're outside, you're working. So yeah, like sometimes just taking that, that time to go for a 10 minute walk by yourself and, you know, put on a podcast or listen to some music or be quiet. Like mm -hmm. sometimes like, you know, that's, which seems like a crazy thing. Like, Oh, well, why would I, you know, I think about telling this to my dad and he'd be like, well, why would I do that? Like, that sounds ridiculous. And it's like, <laughs> well, if that works for you, right. Like I think yep. it's also trying to not, trying to not do what works for other people and figuring out yourself no. too. Um, Cause I've definitely fallen down that rabbit hole where I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. You know, I feel like, you know, I'm going to do all of these really great self-care things and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do an hour meditation and I'm going to eat healthy and I'm going to, you know, make sure I get my 10,000 steps every day, or I'm going to, you know, all of these things. And sometimes that can feel really, that can be stressful in itself, right? Self-care yeah. can be stressful. And so, you know, taking it little bit by little bit. So just, you know, starting with one very simple thing and you can be really experimental with it too, right? Like try something out, see if a sleep story works for you. Um, mm -hmm. Go for a walk. Like, do you feel relaxed after that? Do you, how do you feel? And like, even just making note of like, you know, tr you know, do your own little self experiment and be like, oh, I read a book for half an hour and now I just feel more agitated or I actually feel calmer. And like, yeah. you know, some of those things, you know, or call a friend, um, you know, before you start chores and the, the afternoon, you'd be like, talk to them for 20 minutes. Like, how does that make you feel? Um, you know, just trying to be very intentional with those things and just do it one little bit by little bit. And then once you find something, just do it and do it again and keep doing it. And then it just becomes part of your regular routine. Mm -hmm. um, and you just kind of build it into your everyday life. And that's, that's where we see true change too, um, from, you know, building habits and doing some of those, you know, if you, if you know, you need to start eating healthier, like that's different than actually doing it. Right. So mm -hmm. little things like that, um, taking it at bite-sized chunks and then just repeating it and yeah see how it, how it makes you feel i think those are just very simple things like we don't need to reinvent the wheel you don't need to go off and um you know go to some retreat or anything like that these mm -hmm. are basic things that we can we can really do in our everyday lives because the reality is you want those things when you're feeling stressed you want to keep doing those things when you start to feel that stress and that anxiety creep up in your life you're like oh man I haven't you know, I haven't been going to hockey and I'm feeling really anxious I should start going back again like yeah. and that's when you kind of start to self-regulate too right like when you're able to recognize you have that outlet you think oh I'm not feeling so great I need to start doing this again or hey somebody said something to me the other day that I'm like yeah you know what I'm not in the right headspace right now I should go and do something for myself and that's when we start to get into the healthy mental health cycle where we're recognizing and we're making those healthy changes for ourselves. Yeah, I know. When we were talking about going on uh, walks with our dogs there before the podcast started, and I think that helps me too because she's an idiot and she yeah. does things that just make me question <laughs> a lot of things in her life. But guess what? She's happy, so that makes me happy. You know, like yeah. just those little things in that you can do on a on a daily basis. I think help because, like what you said, is that we've get pulled in so many different directions sometimes that to sit and take 
15 or 20 minutes to yourself can do a lot more good than, than anything else. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. When I, when I used to work in an office every day, it, you know, I'm a very um, type A person. And so sitting in an office every day, I, I recognize myself like starting to get anxious a lot of the times. And so I would start, I started going for a run at lunch. Like I actually took my lunch. I would go for a half hour run and time and time again, I was more productive if I actually took that half an hour, left the office, went Mm -hmm. for a run, came back that afternoon. I was so much more productive than if I would have just slogged through. And that's something that I've, I've learned about myself, like take a break come back to it and you'll come back better, right? Like taking a break doesn't mean giving up or, you know, that you're not going to finish it. Sometimes you just need that like change of perspective or change of scenery. And then you come back to whatever task you were trying to do and you're just, you know, reinvigorated or you're ready to tackle it better. I think that's such an important thing. Yeah. I guess my last little bit would be where can producers find resources if they do need to reach out to somebody uh, for help? Like, is there that kind of thing in Ontario? I know you're working on some stuff. Uh, I see it on Instagram and things like that. So if maybe you want to talk about that a little bit where, you know, producers can go to get it, to get help. So we've definitely seen an increase in this, which I think is amazing um, and, and good for our industry, um, for, for the health of all of us, all the people in agriculture. I know specifically of um, a few different programs um, that are offered both within agriculture and then outside of agriculture because, you know, we, we, you know, mental health affects all people, um, more people. Yes, we're agriculture people, but um, there are some, some programs. So the Um, The Canadian Mental Health Association, so CMHA, is um, the uh, mental health uh, um, organization that has a ton of experience and resources um, across Canada and also regionally. There are local offices. So here in Ontario, um, for your county, there would be a local CMHA office um, with dedicated people and resources to help um, with all kinds of different mental health uh, related resources. Specifically, they've started a program here in Ontario, and I believe it's offered out west in a couple different provinces, and it's called In the Know. And it's basically a workshop or a yeah, four-hour workshop uh, for farmers and agricultural type people, like specifically um, designed with them in mind to as an as a mental health education program. And so I know they've started um, offering some here in Ontario, and that program was actually designed by uh, the universe in coordination with the University of Guelph with uh, Dr. Andrea Bitten-Jones and her colleagues who did back in 2015, they did the mental health uh, farmer survey where they collected a bunch of data on statistics and whatnot, and they continue to do some amazing research. Um, so this program is research informed um, and has been um, developed by mental health professionals for farmers. So I think that's an incredible resource. If you reach out to your local CMHA branch, they should be able to um, let you know how to access that program. Um, Outside of that, uh, the Listowel Ag Society um, up in uh, 
around the Listowel area, they've created an online resource called the Farmer's Toolbox. And you can go online and um, you can Google that and um, you'll find their website. And they have a ton of just different resources. Some of them are fact sheets. They have YouTube clips on their TED Talks, um, you know, different resource guides and whatnot that you can just kind of go through and self um, go through on your own and learn and read and um, and kind of get a feel for what sort of mental health uh, resources are there. They have interviews with farmers who talk about mental health there. So they've done a really incredible job of pulling this sort of toolkit all together um, for, uh, for farmers. And then the last one I would mention um, is uh, a bit of a, a newer program and it's not currently offered across Ontario yet, but I am hopeful that it will be um, soon. And that's through uh, the Ontario Federation of Agriculture, so OFA. They have started a program called the Farmer Wellness Program. And essentially what it does is if you're an OFA member, you um, can access this program and you, um, they have worked to, with um, agriculturally, agriculturally informed therapists and counselors uh, to provide support and therapy um, to farmers. So a lot of times, you know, these are going to a therapist or a counselor is an out-of-pocket expense um, that kind of, some people are a bit, you know, sort of like try before you buy idea. So they mm -hmm. uh, cover four, up to four sessions um, with, a, with a therapist, with a licensed professional therapist who is, knows about agriculture, is informed about agriculture, um, and it's completely confidential. So all, all therapy, all counseling um, ever is completely confidential. There's very strict um, guidelines and rules around that. Um, so this program connects farmers and therapists together. It's currently offered a lot more in Eastern Ontario, but I know the OFA is working with local, um, their local regional um, teams to hopefully, you know, expand this program because I think it's got a lot of um, valuable input. And I know a couple of the people who, um, who are working on that program and, uh, it's it's provided a lot of really great connections and resources for farmers who are looking to go to a therapist. Yeah, and I, I think I should add too, like I know through our benefits at work for anybody that's in the like in the industry too, a lot of times it's covered up to a certain point um, in your benefit package. So if you just go looking through there and your human resources or whoever should be able to help you find uh, that kind of stuff because I think the resources are there. It's just whether or not they're getting utilized is the is the question. Yeah, yeah. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we have conversations like this, the more we normalize it. And uh, you know, I've I personally have gone to a therapist for the last three years now, um, and I'm not ashamed or afraid to tell people that I go to therapy. Like, you know, it's not something that. You know, I, I feel a lot of shame about. I actually think it's really healthy um, mm -hmm. that uh, that I personally go, and it can help other people too. So the more the more open, the more conversations, the more we take that shame out of the conversation and provide empowerment to people, I think the better off we all will be. Well, the way I look at it too is, you go to the doctor if you're physically unwell you go to the car mechanic if your car is broke you go to 
you go to a carpenter if you want something built for the like we need to do something for our brain we should go see the seek out a professional that that's what they specialize in so absolutely i couldn't agree more (laughs) was there anything you kind of wanted to add in final thoughts Kristen, or or should we just end it right there You know, I think we've had a really great conversation today. I would just really like to see these conversations continue. Um, It's not, you know, yes, mental health can be complex and it's a big topic and, you know, the brain is super complex and very, you know, we're, we're learning more and more all the time about how it operates and how that influences our behavior and whatnot. But ultimately this comes down to people Um, and we're all people at the end of the day. Hopefully we can support each other. We can, you know, look to, to do better and to do better for ourselves as well. And, uh, and to access the resources that are out there and available. So I would just say, uh, yeah, I look forward to where we are in another year, another three years, another 10 years. Um, I hope these conversations continue to keep happening. Kristen, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast uh, today. Um, I know it's a very difficult subject and, you know, there's a lot less stigma than there was even five years ago. So I think things like this really help move the, move it all forward for everybody. And I, and I truly appreciate it. So thanks. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the dairy team at Trout Nutrition Canada and our SureGain dealer partners. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast player and please leave us a review. If you'd like more information about today's discussions, please reach out. We have left our contact information in the show notes. I would also like to extend a special thanks to our sound engineer, Daniel Noguera.